Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the soundtrack to a life. to something that I have never heard before. With me again is Chelsea. Hi, Chelsea. Hello. And Chelsea and I are talking about Disturbed's 2002 album, Believe. Chelsea, tell me about this record. How did you get to it? What's your relationship with this piece of music? So I came to almost all of the music that I listened to via someone else. For most of my music discovery in my life, did not find music on my own. It was given to me. And I was given this album and their first album, uh, Down With The Sickness, by my friend Lisa, who uh, was a big heavy metal and hard rock fan, shortly before we saw them live. And I listened to both albums at the same time, but this one stuck with me more because it is tonally different from everything they have ever released. This entire album sounds completely different from Down With The Sickness and the other eight albums that have come after it. And it resonated very much with me because of its mellower, softer presentation of the same heavy themes with uh, David's very deep, powerful filler room voice. And seeing them live the first time was unbelievable on the floor at Mac Hall, and he brought his tiny little daughter on stage so the audience could sing her happy birthday. And she was like four or five at the time and had the most beautiful, like, curly blonde ringlets, giant sound deadening headphones, and the entire audience sang her happy birthday, and it was amazing. Nice. Yes. That'd be an amazing show, I would think. Yeah. Catching a band on their way up in a smaller venue is always such a treat. Yeah, and then the next time I saw them, they were headlining the Uproar Tour, and they came on after Hailstorm, Avenged Sevenfold, and Stone Sour, and then Disturbed. That's a very you lineup. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good show. I bet. Well, I've obviously heard Disturbed previous to this through you. We live together, <laughs> and that is what happens when you share a home with somebody. But this is the first time that I've ever actually sat down with them and paid close attention. The opening track, Prayer, drops you directly into it. There's no intro, there's no fade in. There is a guitar line that sounds like a machine gun, and away we go. Yep. And I have a lot of respect for that, <laughs> especially given that this is one of their earlier albums. They don't have years of goodwill built up here. They just believe completely in what they're doing so they do it and they trust that people will be willing to run to catch up and that kind of confidence in a band is really appealing especially with the louder rock guitar bands yeah and they fill a venue whether it's mac hall or the saddle dome and they just fill it with sound and that laugh 
that you don't get a whole lot of on this album, David has this amazing, creep-tastic laugh that just, and it echoes and bounces off walls and makes your whole body shake. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, all of this music fills a room really effectively. Speaking of guitar that sounds like a machine gun, all of the guitar parts here are more staccato than I expected them to be. It's an interesting style of playing. There are spots where they're almost using guitar as a percussion instrument, which sounds really commanding and distinctive. Like, this is a band that demands your attention rather than requesting it. If Blue Rodeo was the sound of friends hanging out, this is the sound of a band in command of its abilities, making demands of you in a way that is really easy to respond to. Yeah, they're a very visceral experience. Yeah, they very much are. On recordings, in addition to No Doubt Live. Mm -hmm. Did you listen to the album digitally, or did you put on the vinyl? I did both. I listened to it digitally through my podcast prep headphones that Olaf got me for my birthday a few years ago, and I pretty much only use for this because I'm terrified that I'm going to get the cord caught in a doorknob when I'm walking around and break them. Fair. And then I put on the vinyl and let the music fill the room. And it fills a lot of room. This is headbangier than my usual thing. We've talked about that in the past. I don't know. Yeah, we probably have talked about that on the show, about how your taste in loud guitar music is generally more metal, whereas mine is generally more punk. Yes. And this is a great example of what the difference is there. Mm -hmm. And good for us. Yes. A metalhead and a punk somehow finding it within us to make the relationship work. Yeah. But Disturbed in general is a lot more accessible than other bands in this style. It's melody forward rather than guitar forward. Yes. These songs are really easy to sing along to. Yes, they are really easy to sing along to, and um, they have the punk quality of repetition. They are very much verse-chorus structure, and one listen to a chorus and you know it. Yeah, and this would sound great with 10,000 people singing along during your choruses. You don't need to be able to sing along with metal songs. Lots of people enjoy guitar-forward music, but I personally prefer it which is why probably I never got that deep into the style of music. That makes sense. Yeah, but this sounds familiar by the time you're at the end of it. Yes, and this album in particular has a quality of some of the songs will take you by surprise. He'll start out very quiet and very melodic in his voice, and then he'll scream at you. But it's like half the line is soft and melodic, and then he screams the last half of the line. But it isn't jarring. It doesn't take you out of your experience. It pulls you in deeper to what he's giving you. And in this particular instance, he's giving you a lot of deep religious themes and a lot of political themes. They're a band from Chicago, and they have been together since 94. And this is their second commercial release of their seven studio albums. Five consecutive albums have debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. They have an infectious quality to them. They can get an audience feeling with one heartbeat and then completely absorbed in what they're presenting amazingly quickly. Yeah, this is the kind of band that's really easy to become very devoted to. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that these guys' records debut at number one. Especially, I'm sure they still do. Do they still? Do yes. Most recent one? Yes. Yes, yeah. evolved, I debuted at number one. 
because this is the kind of band where you would expect the vast majority of physical media sales to be pre-orders or the first and second week because everyone who likes them has been waiting for this moment and counting down to it rather than waiting to catch them live and then picking it up on their way home. This feels like music that you need to arrive for. Yes. In 1996, this would have been wake up early and go to HMV on your way to school music. 100%. And it's drive fast down a straight highway doing 150 with the windows rolled down music. Oh yeah, I could not picture people obeying speed limits while listening to this. This or Slipknot. It's the reason I don't listen to them in the car. That checks out. (laughs) But yeah, it's this encompassing quality and a lot of it has to do with the lyrics, which all of the members in the band contribute to the writing. Nice. It is not written solely by David, who's the frontman. All four members of the band contribute to the lyric writing, which makes for very cohesive performance. Yeah, because everyone's invested in it. Yeah, everyone has invested in what they're presenting to you. It's not like, I wrote this song, and then I have a band who's backing me up. Everyone contributed to the writing, and they all sing. Yeah, and you can hear that on this record. Like The playing is really tight and controlled and confident, and it moves things forward at the kind of breakneck pace that songs like these require. And it does that without demanding so much attention that it derails the songs. Like, the playing serves the music rather than demanding that the music serve it. Absolutely. This album is also unique in that it doesn't have cover song. I noticed that. So much other than Down With The Sickness. Down With The Sickness is probably the only disturbed song that I could have named previous to sitting down and listening to this, and yet I always knew who these guys were because they are showing up on the radio every other year with a really like weird and distinct cover version that is always really well chosen and really well played. Yes. And I was surprised that that was absent here. Yeah, on Down With The Sickness, their cover is Shout, which is absolutely amazing. They do a beautiful cover of that song. And the ones that most people would recognize... From them, they covered Land of Confusion. I have heard that one. And they recently covered The Sound of Silence. Yep. And you can hear it here, that quality that you get in The Sound of Silence, which, I don't know how he did it, rattles me to my bones, that song. An amazing cover. Yeah, it's a haunting version. And if you listen to Down With The Sickness or Stricken or... Any of the heavier, faster songs or 10,000 Fists, you wouldn't expect that haunting, beautiful, encompassing voice if you had never listened to Believe. And I don't know if it was a popular album of theirs. It's my favorite. But it is, like I said, completely tonally different from everything else that they've presented. Everything else is that fast, breakneck heavy, heavy metal sound to it, whereas this is so musical and so melodic and so almost warm by comparison. Yeah, and they're well-suited to that, and he's well-suited to that. He's got a powerful and confident voice with a lot of charisma behind it, and you can tell from listening to this that he knows how to command a stage. He's in absolute control of his instrument, and he knows exactly what the music he's making needs. I like how cleanly he switches between his highish tenor and just straight up shouting. That is a hard thing to pull off technically, and he is 
crushing it here. I would imagine that there have been a lot of dudes singing karaoke and truly, truly sucking. They seem to be that kind of band. Yes. Like, that you know the music inside and out, and you're convinced that you can pull it off, only to discover as the song plays that the songs are actually very hard to pull off. Yes. I have periodically wished to sing Mistress at karaoke, and then remember that I cannot sing Disturbed. Few people can. <laughs> I do the same, and I guess this is the difference between going to karaoke as the designated driver or not. Because I have absolutely, after too many drinks, attempted to pull off Def Leppard. <laughs> and when my voice is in shape, I can sing two-thirds of a Def Leppard song, and then absolutely fall flat on my face when they gear shift up a key for the third chorus. Yep, it's the same with Disturbed, where you could, can sing two-thirds of the song, and then he gear shifts down into growling metal, and I cannot pull that off. My voice doesn't do that. Even if you can do those two things separately, the fact of switching between them in the amount of time that you've given is incredibly difficult, and people should not try it. Do not sing Disturbed at karaoke, everyone. No. Or Stone Sour, or Slipknot, or Lincoln Park. Not good choices. See, but I would qualify this gentleman's singing voice as above and beyond. Yes. Like, new metal in general, don't sing it at a karaoke bar. But Disturbed is an especially unfortunate choice. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds absolutely amazing when he will sing something like Prayer and then stop, as artists are wont to do, and have the audience sing it back to him, and hear... 10,000 voices sing it back. See, that would sound great. And it sounds phenomenal. And then you leave the concert and go, I could sing this in karaoke, and then you try, and you die. <laughs> yeah, because there's not another 9,999 people backing you up. No, or a band. <laughs> or that. Yeah. I will admit, I also looked up their sales figures. Disturbed have had five number one albums, but their highest charting single was Sound of Silence, which hit number 42. And that, to me, is metal in a nutshell. Yeah. Heavy metal, no matter how many records you sell or how devoted your fan base is, you will never be on the radio. No. No. It's actually jarring to me if I'm listening to CJ or something like that, and a Disturbed song that is not a cover comes on. Because they will play Land of Confusion, and they play Sound of Silence, and sometimes they'll play Shout or some of their other covers, but rarely ever will you hear an original Disturbed song on the radio. And if you do, it's usually down with the sickness, and they usually cut it before the screaming, cathartic rant break the end. <laughs> yeah, and like, this style of music has its own radio stations, but country songs cross over, rap songs cross over, metal songs haven't really crossed over since, I guess, the tail end of grunge. Yeah, I guess every now and then you'll hear a Nine Inch Nails song or a Manson song or a Tool song on the radio. But they're out of place at Briar. Yeah, and it's usually on the We Play Heavier Rock stations. Or in the We Can Play Heavier, More Explicit Music because it's after 9 o'clock and theoretically all the children are gone. Yeah, it is different from in the 80s. Although many would argue that the sorts of 80s metal bands that crossed over onto pop radio weren't that metal. No, they weren't. Not to trash them, Motley Crue were dope as hell when we saw them. They were just less heavy of a metal. Yeah, and Metallica in the 80s was less heavy. 
Def Leppard as well, a little less heavy. And so you hear them more often on the radio, or they'll play a radio version, which has been slightly edited and musically changed a little bit so that it's more melodic or more up-tempo sounding, like they do with the Adele songs, when they make them poppy. Yeah. I want to design a t-shirt that is the periodic table of elements, but with metal bands. Ooh. Starting with the lightest metal band, and then becoming heavier as you go through the periodic table. But I feel like somebody with a more encyclopedic knowledge of heavy metal bands yeah. would be better suited to that bit. And I also suspect that it already exists. It might. It definitely might. You also might get punk bands up in the light elements and transitioning into heavier stuff. Because there are some fairly heavy punk bands. No, this would have to be only metal bands. Mm. In order to make the pun work. That's true. Yeah. Only metal is on the periodic table. Only metal is on the <laughs> periodic table. <laughs> All right, I get that. It would also be a good name for a song. Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> the shirt probably already exists. Probably. I bet somebody's done it already. The internet's real big. <laughs> yes, it is. And the metal fan base, while still hiding in large part, is also quite massive. Yeah, that's true. Especially if you can go from 2005-ish mostly selling out Mac Hall the night after you opened for Metallica at the Dome to headlining a festival less than 10 years later and selling out the Dome on your own right? Yeah, all of these bands still have a gigantic fan base. More of one than I think that I gave them credit for <laughs> until you started taking me out to their shows. Yeah. Like, we have seen a number of bands together from 2000 to 2005 where they came to town and you got tickets and invited me along and I went, is that still a thing? And new metal is still a thing. And it's also a thing that is selling out much larger venues than I would have given it credit for. And the crowd goes effing berserk. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. There is definitely something to be said for literally seeing 10,000 fists in the air, which is a disturbed song. 10,000 fists. And when they say it, you will literally have every single person in a stadium with their fist in the air. The mosh pit will stop, and you'll have pumping fists in the air. Good. And it's You in... should not pump your fist in a mosh pit. No, you should not. active. I just... Public <laughs> service announcement about mosh pits, you guys. Don't throw fists in mosh pits. First of all, it's incredibly thoughtless to the people <laughs> who are trying to share a mosh pit with you. Second of all, the older kids will drag you out of a mosh pit and maybe bang your head into a wall while they're pitching you out into the street. Yeah. Yeah, no. But yeah, it's, it's an incredible sight to see, especially being up. I don't mosh pit. I'm not a mosh pit kind of person. Oh, no, we're the olds at a concert now. I wasn't a mosh pit person when I was a young a concert. You missed out. Jumping in a mosh pit when you're 16 is rad as fuck. I, I've heard that. I've heard that many, many times. And I have seen many, many mosh pits, and I have also seen many, many people come out of mosh pits missing clothing, shoes, broken limbs, broken glasses, broken toes. Public service announcement of a mosh pit, you guys. She's not wrong. If you're going to jump into a mosh pit, hand your wallet and probably your phone to someone who is not jumping into a mosh pit. You will not come out of that mosh pit with the same phone or wallet. No, no, you will not. And remember, they never see your elbows. They never 
ever do. And yeah, this band would destroy it live, I have no doubt. This is music that sounds very technically perfect, because this is a period of music that was impeccably produced. But it's also music that's obviously the work of a very tight band who knows how to play together. It is made with very contemporary to the time production standards, but they're also obviously very capable musicians who would obviously be a blast live. I imagine they will be a blast live. I assume you're going to eventually take me to a Disturbed show. I will eventually take you to a Disturbed show. I'm a little bit miffled that they are not coming to Calgary. They are coming to Edmonton. This same weekend, we are seeing Bill and Sebastian, and then driving to Vancouver. Ooh, yeah, we don't have time to go to another show. So, unfortunately, we can't go see a festival that also includes Marilyn Manson and a few other people in Edmonton that same weekend, which super sucks. Because I would very much like to take you to a Disturbed show. So hopefully the next time they tour, or if they stop by on their way back, or whatever, I will get to take you. They sound the same live. There is no production quality lost, and no distortion or weird vocal changes or anything like that when you hear them live. They sound exactly the same as they do on an album. Which is great, because for a lot of new metal performers and a lot of emo bands... They sound really tight and immaculate and produced, but in a way that makes me wonder how it translates live. This, there was no doubt, as I was listening to it, that these songs are going to be played to this quality every single show of every single tour. I was also surprised at how concise this record was. Like, this is 12 tracks, keeping it to a tight 45 minutes. The longest song here is 4 minutes 29 seconds. There is not an inch of fat on this record. Everything that is here is here for a reason. And this is a genre of music that is very prone to sprawl and double albums and extended guitar solos and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I'm very impressed by how much discipline Disturbed bring to this. Every part here serves the whole, and there is nothing here that does not need to be. Absolutely. And they do, they will spin out your long guitar solo in a live show. Absolutely, I have heard them do that. Or a long drum solo or any of those things, but they do them in the live shows. When they present you with an album, they've given you, like you said, a tight 45 minutes. They've presented you with usually a story. You can find the story in their albums. This one, deeply religious, many, many themes about coming to terms with your own faith, and the faith of your time, and the faith of the people around you, and how that faith is reflected in politics and relationship, and you get it. It's clear, and it's present in every track. Yeah. These are quick, punchy songs. They're songs with a lot of thrust, and there's a lot of build and release of tension in very quick bursts, and it would not benefit from being given room to grow and breathe and develop organically. And the band knows who they are, and they keep themselves on the album on a very short leash. Well, and this album came out in 2002, and it's their second studio release. The band had been together since 94, and Sickness came out in 2000, and then this in 2002. So both albums are tight and well put together and well presented the band had been together six years before presenting a studio release. I did not know that these guys had formed in 94, though now that I'm being told that, it seems really obvious. 
All of the Nirvana-inspired grunge bands were doing the quiet verse loud chorus thing that Nirvana had picked from the Pixies. And this very much feels like the rightful inheritor to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and this album and Sickness were the only two that did not debut at number one. Well, yeah, because they were still building up. This is the sound of a band that is still hungry. Which, I love records made by people who have nothing to prove. When they can just stretch out and make the music that they want to make, owing nothing to no one. But there's something to be said about a band that has everything to prove. Absolutely. And they are proof positive that they deserve to be heard. And they deserve to be given space to develop organically and to become the literal powerhouse of a band that they are. They sell out venues quickly and they have loud and rowdy fans who get that amazing smiling face tattooed on their bodies. I will show you a picture. Could you show me a picture of the smiling face tattoos that people get? So this is... Oh, okay. Like a mascot type deal? Yes. And that face in some incarnation is on every album cover except this one. This is the only album that does not have that face. And people will get, depending on when they came to the band and when they got that tattoo, they will get different incarnations of it. It was a throwaway thing, the mascot, that just developed over time. And uh, the fans of Disturbed are called the Disturbed Ones. I usually point them out because they will have that tattoo somewhere on their body. A tattoo of the mascot. Yeah. That's an interesting thing with 2000s bands. Sarah and I talked about that when we were discussing him as well. They all had something you could get tattooed to show allegiance. Yes. Like Disturbed have that one face. Him has the heartogram. Insane Clown Posse has Hatchet Man. AFI has that weird little dragon thing. Yeah. And I can't off the top of my head think of another genre of music that does that. Interesting that this album cover lacks that face. And I guess that's part of it being their second album. And it's also part of the reason that there wasn't a cover on this album. Because they do have that one thing that can unify everyone and that people get branded to them to show their allegiance to the band that they love. And a well-chosen cover knocked out of the park is something that they always do now. And better than it by rights should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, A metal band covering a pop song or a punk band covering a pop song can come off as cheap and gimmicky. Mm -hmm. But it never does with Disturbed. And it's happened enough times and with enough creative success that it's become part of their brand in the same way that the face has. But on your second album in 2002... You haven't necessarily formed your brand yet. You're still early enough in your professional development that the things that eventually come to be so omnipresent that you couldn't imagine a record without them Mm -hmm. are not yet as solidified. Yeah, it's like the old man on uh, Our Lady Peace album covers for the first five albums. It's the same old man on every single cover. Yeah, or the mummy on Iron Maiden covers. Yes. Your visual sense is as important as the music you're making. Kind of always has been. But bands from this period extending their personal brand to a literal brand that people wear on their flesh. Yeah, absolutely. Could you... I don't know why I'm asking you this. I don't know if you know. I might know. Would it be gauche to have tattoos of the branding from two different new metal bands simultaneously? Depends on what the bands are. Oh, yeah? Because, like, it would be awful to have, say, a Dropkick Murphys and a Misfits tattoo, both of which are punk bands, but by no stretch of the imagination, the same kind of punk. Yeah. So you might get your head kicked in at a concert for one or the other. No, punk bands love everyone. 
Did that come off as insincere? A bit. If there's two things about <laughs> punk bands, one is that they love everyone, and two, it's that they're an incredibly welcoming atmosphere who will never judge you on your taste in music apart from punk bands. Sure! Yeah! Sure! Let's we'll say for the sake of argument. <laughs> for the sake of this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> the weird glitchy stuttering intro to Liberate very much caught me by surprise. It's unexpected and really grabby and almost like an electro flavor to throw into the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And... So distinctly different from prayer. Yeah, they 100% wanted to come out the gate, letting you know that you were in for a lot of different experiences within a whole, rather than one continual tone, which I have a lot of respect for. Similarly, Darkness was a super weird track to end on. Mm -hmm. So soft and so quiet and so mellow by comparison to some of the other stuff. Yeah, it's slower, it's semi-acoustic, there are notes of piano, there are strings... And for an album that threw you in at the deep end, without any warning, choosing the gentler note on which to ease you out makes the whole thing sound like a cohesive whole. It ties together the experience that you've just had really nicely. Yeah, the note I have on here is that he's begging you to understand. He's begging you to understand everything that he has just told you. Eleven other songs, he wants you so badly to understand what he's trying to tell you. That he's taking the whole thing down to such a soft place and just entreating you to feel what he's felt and take what he's given you. Yeah. And a lesser band would have put this song in the middle of the record. Where it would get lost. Yeah. Like it would act as a breather piece between two of the louder songs to give you kind of a break between them. Mm -hmm. But Disturbed trusts you to follow them without a break through the entire record and then saves their chill-out number for the very end to cool you down and send you about your day, which, again, is an incredible mark of confidence. I've used that word a lot today, but they are a very confident band, and it very much fits. Yeah, no, they know who they are, and they know what they've come here to do. Yeah, and they want for you to join them, and they demand that you join them. They will not accept no, and they will not make concessions in order to gain that from you. Which is why, I mean, so many people have fallen in love with these guys and what they do. Yes, and devoted fan base. The band took a hiatus in 2011 for four years, because David Draymond, who's the lead singer, had an issue with his vocal cords, and he chose to have it treated and take a hiatus from performing they didn't release another album for four years. And after four years, that album still debuted at number one. Devoted, devoted fan base who gave a shit about the band, gave a shit about the lead singer and his medical issues, and was there waiting for them to come back. Yeah. That's the mark of a band that means something. People are willing to wait. Yeah, absolutely. And well worth waiting, the album that they gave when they returned was Asylum, which was the second tour that I saw, which is a powerhouse of an album. Nice. And it's deeply rooted in mental health and suicide prevention, which is a direction that the band has gone. It's very mental health focused in their music, and it's incredibly powerful and incredibly moving and meaningful and well worth waiting four years for. It's so great 
when you wait a really long time for something that you want, <laughs> and then it's everything that you have bought for. Yeah, like it's it's an incredible album, and this is a tour where one of the other bands that night opened their show by hanging a guy from the rafters. Literally pushed a guy out the rafters, dropped in, and then their first song started. Perfect. New metal, get it together. Avenged Sevenfold is a show. I have no doubt. I would take you to see them too if you have the desire. They are a good band. Mental note. But that, I guess, brings us pretty close to the end. Oh, really? It's 45 minutes, yo. You got another thing you want to bring up? No. <laughs> uh, I'm going to end the show, as I tend to, by answering three questions. Obviously, I'm going to listen to Disturbed more in the future. <laughs> You're going to take me to see them live. They're one of your favorite bands. I would listen to Disturbed more in the future, regardless of what I thought of this. But I'm also happy to learn from this album that I'm going to enjoy doing so. And we are going to end the show tonight with the song Bound. Nice. Good song. It's a great song. This has been the soundtrack to a life. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast. SoundtrackCast.com. Like us, share us, rate us, review us. Tell people about us. Chelsea. Yes. What do you want to push? What should people be doing this week? What you should be doing this week is donating to the Calvary Drop-In Center or the Mustard Seed or the Alex or any of the homeless shelters in the city. They need sunscreen, sunglasses, hats, bottled water, sandwiches, anything you can donate. There are a lot of people who need help and anything you can do would be great help. Help other people, y'all. We will be back in two weeks with someone new and something new, and it will be an exciting time indeed. <laughs>